You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Uh, I understand, you know, some bigger things going on in the country right now, but look, we still got a job to do at the end, as you all know, Locked On Browns here, day in, day out for you, five days a week, even during the bye week, even with everything that's going on. Uh, other way around the country, but we still have a job to do, and we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to sit down and talk today with Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft. We'll talk some Browns from the midway point, and for the first time, and even not because of a need, we'll talk some draft here on uh, Lockdown Browns. Look, it's bye week. we got a chance, the opportunity to do some different things. We're certainly going to do that before we get to Steve. Today's episode of Lockdown Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Guys, everybody knows the 12-ounce jolt right before it gets me through, um, and, you know, gets me all excited for the highs, and I guess maybe hopefully saving me from the lows of any Browns Sunday. Pepsi's refreshment unique on a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Even first things first, um, you know, over at the OBR, and like we talk about all the time, everybody knows who's working. Um, you guys always putting it in on the grind here. Um, look, Steve, at the end of the day, this franchise <clears throat> is five and three. Could things be better? Sure. Could some things be? Sure. Could things be a hell of a lot worse? <laughs> We don't even have to laugh at that one, guys. We all know things could be a hell of a lot worse. But, Steve, at the end of the day, eight weeks in, uh, brand new front office, brand new head coach, COVID issues, limited camp. Team's five and three. Yeah, you put up less than seven points on three occasions in three losses. I get it. I get it. But, look, five wins in a – Cleveland Browns regular season, and we haven't even cut a turkey yet for Thanksgiving. I think everything's going pretty well right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can, if you step back and and just look big picture, that you can't be pleased. I mean, you know, before the season, I, you know, on paper we were all you know excited because everything seemed to be falling into place to fit with Kevin Stefanski's offense and the roles that the players that we had. It seemed to play to their strengths, and everybody remembers. But even with all that, most of us, including both of us, were like, you know, just get to four and four. I'd be thrilled with four and four because, you know, then the back half of the schedule on paper looks easier and maybe we can make a run. Away. We'd have been thrilled with four and four. Now, just because of the order of the wins and the fact that the last one was just such a stinker on ice, everybody seems to be just apoplectic over five and three. And everybody just needs to breathe. OK, Sunday sucked there's no sugarcoating it it was (laughs) awful on so many ways okay but if you're looking for a silver line and there's no moral victories again like i said i'm not trying to sugarcoat it but if you look at everything that went wrong you're missing how many impact players you're missing nick Nick chubb and wyatt teller and jacob phillips and on and on and on and on and on you have miles garrett on a gimpy leg playing what roughly half the snaps i mean he wasn't he wasn't miles garrett the, the run defense was non-existent. You had a uh, hundred drops, uh, fumbles. It was, and even with all that, that game was right there for the taking. Um, in recent years, if they had played half as poorly as they did, 
it, the game would have been, you know, 48 to six, you know, I mean, they would, it would have been over. It would have been, they would have just gotten laughed out of the stadium. So that speaks to how far that they've come. They still have a long way to go, but if you're looking for some sort of silver lining to cling on to from that game on Sunday, that would be what I would say as poorly as they played, they still easily could have won that game. Um, so it, it's, it's good to be five and three. Obviously, Cleveland can never do anything the easy way. A win against the Raiders, you know, one of the teams they're directly competing with for a wild card spot would have made their path so much cleaner. But they can never make things easy on themselves. That's just the way it is. But even with all that, I mean, five, they go four and four, and I think they're going to do better than that. But if they go four and four in the back half, you're nine and seven. And looking at the standings, probably 60-40 that you get in this year at nine and seven. If they add that eighth playoff team like they're talking about, then I'd be shocked if they didn't get in at nine and seven. But, you know, you're looking at nine or ten wins. If somebody had told you in August, we're going to give you nine, maybe ten wins, you're probably going to lose in the first round. Maybe if you get the right matchup, you could squeak one out and then lose in the second round. Do you want to fast forward? Would you take that? I don't think there's anybody that would have, wouldn't have immediately just hit that button and said yes. So while yes, it is frustrating that they are not currently built to come to, you know, compete on a, on a consistent basis with the Kansas cities and Baltimore's and Pittsburgh's of the world. Not yet next year. They will be, I think to be upset with five and three after what we've gone through the last five years, the last 20 years really is, I, I don't understand that mindset. You can acknowledge the shortcomings of the roster, wish for more while still being pleased with where they are. And that's, that's what I would tell everybody to do here on this bye week take a breath and just appreciate the fact that we're five and three and talking about the playoffs instead of analyzing the top five of the draft. At every single position, because you need them everywhere. Is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And oh, and you know what? Yeah, oh yeah, I guess we can talk about guard too. Yeah, and, and that's normally where we are. Um, I, I think in in look, in just one final thing. Obviously, you know, on Sunday, look, I mean, if you said the Browns were going into at any point, you know, going into a game, and you said they're not going to have Nick Chubb, they're not going to have Odell Beckham Jr., they're not going to have Austin Hooper, and to just put Wyatt Teller into this phrase because he fits it all the time, and they're going to be without their top offensive lineman. That's a difficult task for any team. And it would have been, you know, you're without that much. Granted, the opportunities were there, and which makes it even more, you know, obviously a little bit more of an axe to grind that it didn't work out that way. But look, five and three at the end of the day, look, folks, it's all roses. You know, I mean, it's roses to this point. In fact, it also you keep in mind that, you know, everything essentially is new as far as the coaches, as far as the front office. So everybody just, again, breathe on that standpoint. Steve, on the roster so far, what stood out to you? Surprises, players in general, what stood out to you over this first half? Well, I think Wyatt Teller tops the list. I mean, you know, I, I liked him. I thought, you know, but before Forbes dropped out, I thought it was, you know, him or Forbes uh, that were going to take that spot. And that's why, you know, all offseason, <clears throat> you remember everybody coming at us on, on uh, social media and stuff. We got to get a guard. We got to get a guard. And we said we didn't really think it was that. And you were even higher on Wyatt Teller. But I don't think yes. even you thought that no. he would be playing at the level he was playing before he got hurt. I mean, he was crushing it. I mean, he was one of the best guard, maybe the best graded guard. I don't even remember one of but definitely one of the best guards in the entire league. 
just a, a great surprise. Uh, I don't know that anybody else really is would qualify as a surprise uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you could say Harrison Bryant is breaking out earlier than you would expect a tight end. That's normally a slow developing position, but I, I would say Teller is without question uh, the, the biggest uh, pleasant surprise <clears throat> on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side is a whole different other story, but, um, but in turn, because I know we're going to talk about draft later, the fact that he broke out like he did and Bryant is developing faster than we thought he would uh, in tandem with just, you know, a couple of other things, it's going to be real hard Barring something unusual in the early part of the offseason, it's going to be real hard to convince me, and I know you're on the same page, that any early draft capital should be spent on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, as I sit and look at it right now, maybe one of those third round picks, you know, I mean, obviously, as in any case, if somebody, some wild fall, you know, a guy you have rated eighth is sitting there at 57, that's a different story. But, you know, if things go in a normal fashion as we expect them to be, I, I really can't see much on the offensive side of the ball uh, before day three at this point. No, I agree with you. Um, and, you know, as far as, you know, but for Wyatt Taylor and yeah, uh, definitely. Look, I mean, I, I think, you know, for me, we thought he was going to be, you know, he was going to be a starter and there wasn't going to be a much of a question mark about it. I don't think we were ever thought we were going to be using terms like the best offensive lineman. <laughs> and, oh, my God, Wyatt Taylor is going to be out for a couple exactly. of weeks. This is a really big blow. I mean, but, I mean, you give credit to the kid. Um, he obviously put in the work to um, get himself acclimated. And I, I think, and the thing is, and, and you saw this last year when the Browns played the Bills, obviously Wyatt Teller, Wyatt Teller is, he's a worker. Um, and that's why teammates respect you. And you saw those Bills teammates, almost every one of them want to come up, shake his hand, um, you know, basically check in, how's everything going, yada, yada. And it lets you know, basically, you know, the measure of a man. And, you know, you, you put that in where you have a coach like Bill Callahan, who's going to expect work. And the more you show, the more he's going to give you, it was just, you know, a, a perfect, perfect pairing. Of course, it also helps when, you know, um, the guys you're playing with from left to right all got some skills as well. So, you know, when there isn't a black hole on the offensive line, it's not going to show up on game days and it allows some players to basically outplay themselves. I, I said defense, the only way I would even go here, it, it, it's it, it's it's only one name. And just because he wasn't even here and, he, and he's found his way in, Ronnie Harrison, it, it's, it's just. Oh, sure, right. Yeah, I mean, it's been special because he brings a unique blend. You needed a safety, obviously, when Grant Elpett went down. But he brings a unique blend just to the size and the length, and he can do different things. And, yes, everybody, yeah, yeah, I mean, he dropped it to pick six. Yes, that's why those guys are on the other side of the ball. Terrence Mitchell, yes, sometimes defensive backs drop interceptions. It happens. It happens. Um, we're going to get to draft talk here. Um, and we're going to do this with Steven. And, uh, A, I'm looking forward to it because – it was hard for me to start to get into the college football season because it was just so weird where you didn't have games from noon till you know almost midnight if your heart desired. Now with everybody playing and fingers crossed, hopefully continuing to play and look, and this is one thing where you don't notice as much as a little bit of, you know, where COVID's affecting college football. Cause it's like, all right, well then there's only 34 college football games available today as opposed to 36, but we're going to get into it here. We'll talk the offensive side of the ball. We'll talk the defensive side of the ball. Draft purposes here. Maybe we'll, we'll, tip, we'll tip in the water, I guess, on the offensive side of the ball, because I, I do agree with Steve here. Um, so we'll be back with that. Um, we'll talk a little you know, NFL draft here, as we can, and we'll be able to do on the bye week. Build go. 
makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it is easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with great stuff to ignite my work. Beta alanine uh, gives me a great kick for later in the day. Built Go then kicks it up a notch with their vitamin B6, B12, 10,000% of your daily percentage. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. The stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, and you'll get 20% off your uh, your next order. Use the promo code again, LOCKED, at BuiltGo.com to receive 20% off. BuiltGo. Let's go. Like you said, Steve, there's not much that I feel and you feel on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the way that the, the contracts are, um, you know, maybe if something happened where Rashard Higgins maybe broke out to a point where you couldn't bring him back financially, um, we're not going to talk about the future of one number 13. It's just asinine to do at this point. Um, but you look at, you know, the room. And I mean, and the first thing maybe I would say, and this is just because of what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, and, you know, Dearness Johnson, to his credit, first extended workload against Dallas was pretty good. Um, nothing much ever since. But you're going to get in that position where next year will be Nick Chubb on his last year of his contract. For me, maybe you'd look running back. And it's, again, look, if it's one of those third-round picks, it's something certainly that could be addressed on day three. That's one that maybe stands out to me where you can bring a body in because I don't think this team is moving on from David Njoku as much as you all want to believe it, as much as Drew Rosenhaus wants it to happen. I think you're going to still have the same remaining three tight ends on the 2021 roster. But running back for me is one that stands out where maybe you'd you'd certainly be looking at this class. Uh, Yeah, I would agree on day three. Of course, you know, you and I are similar mind day three every year, regardless of your situation, you get into a certain range where the crazy athletic guys that are still around at running back and wide receiver, they're always worth a a flyer. They're always worth a risk. You know, once you, once you get past about the middle of the fifth round, if somebody's freaky athletic, they're, they're always on my radar. You may not end up taking them, but they're always on my radar. So I would think more a guy, um, Rather than, you know, people that are they're talking in my mentions, they're asking, should we get uh, Etienne or, or Hubbard or, you know, even a guy like uh, Kenneth Gainwell uh, at Memphis? I, I just think they're going to go before we're shopping in that section of the draft store. I, I think you're looking more at, uh, you know, maybe like a, a, a Puka Williams or um, uh, the kid out at UCLA, um, uh, Demetric Felton. Uh, he, he might be a little small, but he, he would be great in that third uh, role for his first year and can do a lot of stuff for you in uh, pass, uh, pass receiving and that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, I'm always a proponent. If a, if a, an offensive lineman, a young offensive lineman falls to a range where you can't pass him up. I mean, we've got, you know, JC's on the North of 30. Uh, Joel is approaching 30. 
it's never a bad idea to keep restocking that line. Um, but as far as doing it early in the, you know, the, the Josh Myers range and the Wyatt Davis range, it's just, unless again, there could be some wacky off season where suddenly that becomes a need, but I, I doubt it. I, I would seriously doubt it. Uh, at that point, I think early, um, as we've talked about, and most of the, you know, weekly mocks I've done have, uh, uh, over at the OBR have shown it's, you know, again, depending on free agency and trades edge interior defensive line, depending on what they do with uh, Sheldon Richardson, a couple other people in that room. Uh, we always need more corners. Um, I know people want linebacker. It's just, I, we could be wrong, but it seems highly unlikely they're going to spend early draft capital on a traditional off. The one semi exception to that, that I I've said for about a month now is uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa at Notre Dame. He's listed as a linebacker. In truth, if you watch him play, he's really a linebacker in name only. He's more of a, like a Jabril Peppers hybrid type, except even more athletic and better instincts. Uh, he is what we all hope Jabril would turn into, I think, at least as a prospect, that's what he is. So uh, pr- maybe if they're in the mid-20s on day one, uh, if nobody else is there, more likely if he somehow is still around at their second round pick, that would be. Uh, somebody but other than that I I just I think you're maybe looking at Nick Bolton if he's around on day two if he's still in the around when they're picking in on day two that might be something there but mostly you're looking at edge interior defensive line uh, maybe another safety uh, depending on the health of Grant Delpit and what they do uh, elsewhere apparently uh, Albright let it slip that they were very persistent on uh, Justin Simmons uh, and so who knows what will happen with him in the offseason um, and then you you always, always, always need more cover corners. I don't care how many you have. It's always a good idea. So if any of those early guys fall to a range, you know, a Caleb Farley or an Eric Stokes or J.C. Horn or Asante Samuel, any of those guys are around at that second round pick or you know, by some miracle, the third round pick. <coughs> Excuse me. I'd be all over those guys. A little further down the board, Kerry Vincent has crazy tools. I love Elijah Molden's fit as that third safety slash guy that can come down and, and do some yep. uh, uh, slot stuff for you. I love his fit in what they say they want to do. Uh, TJ Carter at Memphis is kind of under the radar. Uh, Rodarius Williams, Greedy's brother at Oklahoma State, is having one hell of a year. His age kind of gives me pause uh, when, if you try to put on your Andrew Berry hat because uh, that's one thing you have to do with all these guys. Uh, yep. Anybody that's going to be 22 and a half or older at the time of the draft it's only a one-year sample size with Barry, so we can't say for sure, but it makes it less likely if that's their age at the time of the draft. Just something to keep in mind if you're looking at draft prospects out there. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to see – right now they have, uh, I think, nine picks left uh, after the uh, – or it might be ten after the Harrison trade. I can't remember. Nine, nine now. Um, and I would be very, very surprised if they make all nine picks, if at least seven of them were not on the defensive side of the ball. I agree with you. And, you know, look, maybe you would think maybe possibly running back um, or, you know, skill position. And then you're going to look. Yeah, speed um, guy at wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously maybe, you know, one more offensive line. uh, Obviously, you you know, you have Harris um, along with what would be your starting five. Um, You know, Chris Hubbard might, you know, find a way to dupe his way into another team to not realizing he's best as a sixth offensive lineman, not one of the one of the five. um, But there's always a thirst. Drew Forbes coming back. And exactly with Drew Forbes. So, you know, maybe, you know, and it could be interior. It depends also. I mean, it could also depend on, you know, where Drew Forbes is at. I mean, if, you know, Drew Forbes is, you know, 
spent time in the weight room, Drew Forbes might come back, you know, pretty yoked up and, you know, maybe more, he's more of a tackle <laughs> option than he would be an interior option. I mean, I, I, that's one thing. And that's a little bit difficult. And you wonder about is you know, what some of these guys who did opt out, like, where are they right now? Right. I mean, cause you could have some guys who are maybe just totally off the beaten path football wise, or some guys who are probably, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty who are, you know, regretting it right now and, you know, probably putting in the extra work. And, you know, now you're getting essentially, you know, a back-to-back off season, you know, where these guys are just, you know, uh, just put in the work. So it's going to be always interesting to see this with any team, any player, uh, you know, anybody who opted out of the 2020 season to see where they are at, um, hopefully, and, you know, a better world to return to in 2021. Um for me, Steve, in looking at the defensive side of the ball, it, it, one thing that is is probably something that's going to be paramount to me in any prospect we're looking at, it's going to be tackling. Um, and as oh, much God. as I love you getting into the athletic profile, God Lord, can you tackle some people? Because <laughs> that is one thing that the team has issues with. And it's it's been an issue since I've been covering the Browns now. And it just gets so freaking infuriating when you see a team, you know, in a third and 12 situation and you get them into throwing a pass on, you know, that goes six yards on third down, but yet somehow we're still moving the sticks and it's it's just crazy. There's no way around it. Yeah. And even more than that, uh, it's the one, I mean, those are obviously frustrating the third and 18 or whatever that they almost converted 17, whatever it was against the Raiders. I mean, those it's ridiculous, but the ones that frustrate me even more than that are the ones where, you know, either a blitzer or somebody beats their guy and you, and you talkie talkie in the backfield, didn't get the running back down. On you make first contact two yards behind the line of scrimmage and it turns into a one yard game. They're consistently giving up three to four to five yards after first contact. And that's sometimes even with, you know, two guys there. It's, it's so infuriating. Those infuriate me more than the big ones, you know, and and that might sound like a weird dichotomy, but those, that extra three yards, that changes the game. You know, it changes the plan on the the next down, you know, that so it's, you consistently give up three to five yards on every single run you have after contact on every single run, you have a day like you had on Sunday where it was like, it was like watching this 2016 and 2017 teams. Cause if you remember those teams, they didn't even lose excitingly. Like it wasn't like, you know, they gave up an 80 <laughs> yard bomb. So at least you could be like, well, that sucked, but wow, what a play. It was just, you know, 12 play drives, you know, first down, second down, convert third and three, first down, second down, convert third and four, first down, second down, convert third and three. And it's so boring that it loves lulls you to sleep. And that's Death what it felt like. Goes. Oh my God. It was so awful. And after the excitement of the Cincinnati game, they just, just heart stopping, you know, back and forth and back and forth. I wonder how much that played into the flatness that they showed that there just wasn't because nothing happened to fire them up. They seem to be a team that needs, you know, a big hit or a, or a turnover or a big play or something like that. And then they get all jacked up and then they really start snowballing. I, I, I mean, I don't know. They were flat from the start. So maybe it didn't uh, have, have anything to do with it, but the fact that nothing really exciting happened all day, I, I wonder how much that lulled them into just continuing to do the same things over and over. Um, they certainly look like a team that, you know, basically had the um, tea times ready for bye week. Um, it certainly, that game just gave me the vibe of it. And look, I mean, there's some guys who obviously desperately need this time 
mm. Miles Garrett, and, and certainly there's others, and even you know Conklin, uh, Treader. You know these guys are you know, basically in Landry making their way out out to a practice field on Friday to you know do what they can do on Sunday. So you know the bye week probably came at the appropriate time, Perfect. even if the Browns were mentally already there in Week Eight for their Week Nine bye. We're gonna get to a little bit more here with Steve. We'll start maybe peeking ahead a little bit. Um, and talking about these remaining eight games, which I got to be honest, some of these matchups look pretty freaking luscious at this point. So we're going to get to that here uh, with Stephen Thomas, Jeff Lloyd on your Thursday locked on Browns. You guys ask all the time. Obviously, a lot of great people putting out a power wise um, for you know Cleveland sports, Cleveland Browns. Um, Brian Zabo and his family over there at Zabo Apparel. I, I I just can't say enough kind words about him. Um, they're great people. Um, Brian, a veteran, has uh, two children actively serving. Um, and this, yes, this is his business, but this is it's a passion, and he truly loves what he does. Uh, percentage of every sale, you know, goes to the Wounded Warriors Project. Um, there, if there's anything I can ever get behind, as far as you know, anybody you know selling merchandise, Cleveland Browns wise, it's Brian, uh, Brian Zabo and his family, ZaboApparel.com, Zabo Apparel on um, Instagram and on Twitter. And the store in Vermilion, uh, you're looking for apparel, you're looking to get Browns geared up, Zabel Apparel is the place to do it. Now, Steve, you look ahead and, you know, in the Jets, the Giants, uh, Jacksonville, um, then, you know, you got obviously Pittsburgh, you've got <clears throat> uh, the Ravens, Pitts, I mean, uh, the Texans, the Eagles, there's a lot of teams in disarray that really at this point, they're looking just to have that, you know, what do you always say about, you know, taking, you know, taking out a, you know, vampire, you got to drive it, the stake through the heart. A lot of these teams, you know, I mean, a couple of them are already there with the stake through the heart. Uh, a couple more are already there for the, you know, basically on the chopping block to be had. Um, there's, there's some, and I hate to say it when we're talking about the Cleveland Browns, there's some easily winnable games as long as these guys do come back health-wise, nobody else of significance gets lost. There's a lot of easy-peasy over these last final eight. There's definitely some games you look on paper that they'll probably be favored, uh, and they, you know, quote-unquote, should win. And this for this triumvirate right out of the gate after the bye, I think is going to tell the tale uh, for the rest of the season. Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, they have to get two of those. If they can get at least two, uh, if they can run the table, that'd be great. But if they can get at least two, I will be, you know, feel much, much better about their playoff chances. And I already feel pretty damn good about their playoff chances. Houston is just baffling to me. I mean, I understand that there are lots of holes on the roster and they're struggling in different places. I get that. But when you're a team that so has... So you're saying, wait a minute. So you're saying that if you hire a head coach <laughs> to be a head coach and he's a little bit of a jerk off and then you promote him to general manager and he just proceeds to be a bigger jerk off that's not a good idea i can't imagine that that was one of the seven habits of highly effective people i never read that book but i i, I don't think that was that may have been like the ninth one, one of the first couple that got cut off but with when, when you look at houston even <laughs> even even with a a roster like theirs admittedly there's holes in the roster and they're struggling i get that but when you have a guy like deshaun watson one of the best quarterbacks in the league who's having a hell of a year how in God's name are you one and six? It just—it makes no sense to me that he's playing nope. as well as he is, and they still can't win any games. It's just, 
And, and that's why, even though they're one and six, and on paper, I'm sure when, when Vegas gets a look at it, the Browns will end up being favored, and they should, and they should win the game. It's still, anytime you face a guy like Deshaun Watson, it scares the living crap out of you because he's the kind of guy Absolutely. that can literally win a game by himself. And, and so I, they should win the game. They absolutely should win the game. But people counting wins, you can't do that against a guy like Deshaun Watson. And Philadelphia, they have been a horror show. And they are in the absolute laughing stock of a division. But they're getting healthy, finally. They're starting to get healthy. They're starting to rack up wins. And as he's been extremely streaky and has had some horrible, horrible stretches. But when he's on, Carson Wentz has been really, really good for short stretches. And when you look at our defense, that scares you too. And it's on the road. So I think if they can get Houston and Jacksonville, and then you, you would think, knock on wood, they're going to take both of the New York games because those two teams are both going to be trying to lose by that time of the season. That's four. That gets you to nine wins right there. If you can scare up one more out of Philadelphia, Tennessee, which I think is a tall order, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, anytime you're at home, interdivision home underdog is always a, a, a fierce creature that, that fights really hard. So I, on paper, they're going to be, you know, the, the Steelers and Ravens are going to be favored and they'll probably win both of those games, but never count out a division team at home. Um, so I think if you could just Especially with up, the potential of either one of those games being a primetime game, but go ahead. Well, yeah. And they could, they're, they could be fighting for their playoff lives. They could, you know, I mean, the Steelers look like they're going to, you know, maybe run the damn table for the 10 or 11 games. They could be resting people uh, on the last week of the season. I mean, who knows what could happen? Um, but you're looking at realistically anything less than, you know, barring injuries or COVID or whatever, anything less than nine wins, I think would be a huge disappointment at this point. And I still stick by my preseason prediction of 10 and six, because I think they're going to be able to scare up one more out of that. Now, depending on the matchup, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be one and done in the playoffs. And that's okay for this year. I, it'll suck in the moment. But, you know, saying the season is a failure because you, quote, unquote, just make the playoffs is just asinine to me as a, right. Cleveland, Browns, as a Cleveland Browns fan, as any fan. But, you know, especially you're a team on the upswing of you're on the beginning of your window. Now, if they were an aging, you know, if they were the Saints with guys over 30 and you, you know this is Drew Brees' last year, just making the playoffs and losing the first round. Yeah, that's a disappointment for that team because their goal is to hoist the Lombardi. But for the Browns, you're on the upswing. You're just entering your window. One and done is usually the first step, you know? And then next year, if they have another offseason like they did uh, this past year uh, in the one coming up, I I'm, I'm really looking forward to them legitimately being able to compete with the top of the top of the league. Yeah, and the other thing that's interesting is the way everything has been manipulated and the way they've navigated through this 2020 season so far and training camp, it opens up the possibility that OTAs could exist next year, mm -hmm. um, which you know obviously helps everyone. And for anyone who's um, you know with the talk of, well, uh, you know, well, one and done is, you know, I, I'm sorry, the diamond shoes too tight. I mean, you know, is the, you know, the hundred dollar... <laughs> I mean, is the $100,000 money clip you have, uh, is it like, I mean, what is wrong with y'all? I mean, seriously? I mean, come on, guys. Really? Well, oh, realistically, realistically, if you expected anything more this season, it, it, you were deluding yourself. I mean, 
just make. What do you mean we're not, on, we're not on pace with the Chiefs already? Come on! Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you you just looked at the roster. I mean, and yeah, obviously, any given Sunday, you never know. All that kind of stuff applies. That's why they play the games. Blah blah blah. But realistically, you just looked at it on paper and you said, especially on defense, there were so many more questions than answers on defense, and a lot of those questions have remained unanswered to this point. Some by injury, some by just they're not playing well. Um, and so you look at them, how they match up against the Steelers, against the Ravens, against the Chiefs, against the Saints, if they play the Saints, you know, I mean, whoever, pick your, the Buccaneers, pick your team. They just don't measure up yet. And that's okay. It's hard to do in one year. It really is. So this year was about implementing the system. It was about um, getting some clarity and some calmness and some sanity after what we learned was an absolute freak show last year in the locker room. Um, <laughs> and, and more than anything else, it was about evaluating six. And that still remains what it is because they have to decide by the end of December or first week of January, whenever that last game is, whether he's the guy. I still believe he's on track to be the guy. I, I still do. And I think his, his performances the last two weeks uh, have, have only bolstered that opinion. But it still remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see. If he flames out the rest of the year, then you're talking about trying to find a quarterback. But uh, I think that was the biggest thing to see how he and Kevin blended together, uh, to see what you had and what you still needed on defense. And that's probably a big reason why they didn't really make any moves at the trade deadline because, you know, the big the big folks were not really – you know, honestly available as we saw. It's not like they were the only team that didn't make a move. Okay. The, the, the big uh, difference making guys were not available. So could they have made one of those smaller moves, you know, a, a six next year for a guy that they were going to cut anyway? Sure. They could have, but most of the time, again, if you put on your Andrew Barry hat, most of the time, the guys you get in those type of deals, do they move the needle enough uh, to, 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 to get you to compete with the chiefs? Do they move the needle that much more than what you have in-house or what you could pick up on the street? And the answer, apparently, looking around at what was available and what was offered, was no. So that's okay. They're going to ride it out this year. Uh, I wouldn't be averse to them calling Cam Wake and seeing if he's got eight games left in his legs. But apparently they're going to ride it out this year with what they have, hopefully make the playoffs, feel good about themselves, and then uh, go into next season when the window realistically opens that's year one of you know three to five whatever however long you believe super bowl windows are next year is the first time i think we can legitimately say you know they might be able to pull it off yep pull up the blinds the opportunity might be there 100 um and the other thing and and everybody for who talks about you know how the basically you know the ended up stacking the offense and not enough on the defensive side of the ball well when you're going to make a decision on your quarterback you want to make sure you pretty much got everything in place and you want to basically put it in the best position to say, well, if he doesn't succeed, we did everything we could to succeed. So, and that's basically how this roster became constructed as it currently is. And again, smart people do smart things. Steven and I don't know how that works, but you know, we've heard it and it makes, I've read. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've read on a bumper sticker or from a Forrest Gump movie. Uh, those those type of things do happen. With I think it was a Ziggy kids. cartoon in my case, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I read something. <laughs> that way, to, way to read a Seinfeld Seinfeld reference. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yes, yeah, so no, I've read this. Ziggy called, and he says, <laughs> "I've got a complaint." 
<laughs> oh my god we went away from cheers and actually brought in a seinfeld reference but folks he is stephen thomas um now with the obr uh at brown's mock draft on twitter and the thing i enjoy most is stephen has brought himself he he, he brought himself to the obr um <laughs> yes i you know I, I mean i will talk ball with steve anytime um, but when anything, if in even you know, look, Steve and I text, we message each other, and it's like half the time I'm always looking for the punchline and anything he sends. So, um, <laughs> and, but you get the same thing in what in Steve's writing, and that is one of the best things, and one of why the OER continues to be uh, a fantastic resource. And uh, him, Jared Mueller, obviously Jake Burns, um, and it's actually been nice to uh, you know see. Uh, laying around a little bit after all he's gone through. Um, but these guys just continue to kick ass day in, day out. Um, so make sure you're checking everything out at the OBR. Make sure you're following Steve. Uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns, all over case. DMs are open. Follow back account, as you guys all know. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, ideas for the show, questions, whatever. I mean, I do my best to uh, get back to you guys. If you're going to be here five days a week with me, um, the best, least I can do is try to uh, be there for you guys in spades, so to speak. Um, we'll continue through. We got one more episode here this week. Um, it feels weird. Um, no crossover today. Um, we won't have a pregame show tomorrow night. A little bit different. Um, and it's just the way it is with the bye week. Um, and we're still you know, going through this uh, election coverage. I appreciate everybody for sticking around, listening. I understand, you know, for a lot of you that you know, the election is paramount. Um, certainly not. I'm playing that by any means. Lockdown Browns, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. Take care of that for me. I do appreciate it. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.